welcome to this podcast from Christchurch Blackpool. For more information, please visit ccblackpool.co.uk. Well, greetings to all of you from Bolton. Really sorry that Helen and I couldn't be with you today in person, uh, but I pray that you'll still be blessed um, by the word of God that I want to bring to all of you this morning. So let me start. Uh, I remember a few years ago, I used to help out as a, a sort of informal classroom assistant at our local primary school. And the, the year six teacher uh, knew that I was a church leader and was very keen to use me in our re-lessons. And so one time she, she said, oh, could you do something on prayer? And uh, maybe 50% or more of the class were Muslims and Hindus. It was a really mixed school. And that got me thinking, perhaps for the first time, well, what's the essential difference between prayer for a Muslim and prayer for a Hindu and prayer for a Christian? What is it that is perhaps particularly unique uh, about us as Christians? And as I pondered this, I realised that the key thing when we pray and more than prayer, really, how we relate to God, is who God actually is and who we perceive him to be, the identity and the character of the God that we're praying to. So if, for example, you've got a perception of God or you're taught about God that that he is demanding and angry, you'll respond to God in a certain way. If you believe that God is distant and unconcerned, you'll relate to him in a certain way. But if, as the Bible teaches, you see that God is a compassionate and caring father, then that will make all the difference in the world to how you approach him and how you pray to him. So the identity of the one that we're praying to is what makes all the difference in our motivation and in the manner in which we approach to him. And it isn't just, oh, God is like this. It's a little bit more than that. It's a little bit more subtle than that. And it's, do we actually see him as he really is? Because uh, speaking for myself, I, I think many of us don't realise just how good God is. He is this wonderful person. But if we think he's something less than that, then that needs to be corrected. That our understanding needs to be strengthened. So here's my question to you today. As you come to God, as you come to Jesus in your, your daily life, in your daily walk to, with him, how do you see him? How do you perceive that he is to you? And what I want to propose to you is that the Bible is very clear that Jesus calls himself or is happy to be called a friend of sinners. Let, let me tell you a story from uh, my own life, how Jesus helped me to, to understand this principle. So back quite a few years now, uh, I was 11 years old, uh, top end of junior school, and there was a girl in our class uh, called Lee Smith. Still remember her name. Uh, she was a, a bit smelly, a little bit unkempt, not very well look, looked after. And you know how bad children can be, so... Uh, she was given the nickname Flea Smith rather than Lee Smith. And, you know, she was teased. Uh, and I, I didn't um, initiate that sort of teasing, uh, but I wasn't strong enough to say, no, that's wrong. I was sort of there in the background, really. 
Well, of course, what happened was this poor girl over a period of time got really upset by this. And so one day our class teacher had to sit us down and explain to us, look, this is really not a good thing that you're doing. Try to explain how it, it would cause her to feel and everything. And I thought, well, yeah, yeah, you know, we haven't been great in that. And then to my, my sh utter shame and embarrassment, uh, she picked me out, this teacher, as being one of the ringleaders. Now, which actually wasn't true, but I certainly uh, was guilty of joining in in some way. But I felt in that moment, not just shock, but really intense shame, intense embarrassment. And it was partway through my final year at, at junior school, coming into the summer. And, and I resolved that day for the rest of my time at that school, every playtime, I was just gonna hide away from all my classmates because I just felt so bad. I felt so unworthy. I thought nobody will ever like me again. Nobody will ever want to talk with me and or play with me. Now, that probably wasn't true, but that's what I felt. Uh, and that, so I would just hide behind a tree uh, in the, the corner of our, our large playing fields um, and so it was a combination of me being a, a sinner, having done some stuff wrong, I fully accept that, but also, in a sense, sinned against, in, in that more was said of me than was actually true, and it, and it had a really bad uh, long-term effect on me. More than that, what I did, how I responded to it, had a very detrimental effect on my well-being. Now, fast forward some years to me, being a young adult, I hadn't thought about this incident for, for many, many years. And then uh, when I was praying, I, I just quite out of the blue, it appeared to me, there was a, a vision in my mind that God gave me. And there I was back in this hiding place behind my tree. But in this vision, Jesus came up to me. Not Jesus as we might see him portrayed in a lot of photo, a lot of pictures, but this this Jesus came to me as an eleven year old boy, a boy of my age, an ordinary looking boy, dressed like me, looking sort of somewhat similar to 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 me and and those around me where where I lived. And don't ask me how I knew it was Jesus, but you know these things in in visions and dreams, don't you? And so Jesus, this boy, just walked up to me and he knew my circumstances and he knew the emotions inside me. And he just simply said to me, can I be your friend, please? Can I be your friend? He knew my shame and my hurt. He knew how I'd vowed to hide myself away, but he still wanted to be my friend. And I ask you this question again, how do you perceive Jesus? Do you perceive Jesus to be your friend? Because all of you are in one way or another, to one degree or another, just like me. We're all the same. We're all human. We, we're all sinners. We've all fallen short. We've all done stuff that we're, that we're embarrassed about or ashamed about. Maybe there are secret things in, in your heart and in your mind that nobody else in the world knows about. And we need to know that if we're carrying these secret things, it will have a significant and ongoing effect on us. 
It will affect our identity, how we perceive ourselves and value ourselves. It will affect our confidence. It will affect our relationship with other people. And it's very likely that all of us in some way have been sinned against as well. We've had something said to us or done with us. And, and once more, we can carry this hurt around and we're, we're, we're trying to hurt ourselves. I remember one time when um, I, I, I had a bad cut and, uh, and I was very anxious to, to protect that hand in the coming days as, as that, that bad cut healed. You know, I was a bit touchy if anybody got near it. And can't we just be like that? If we're carrying around hurts, uh, we, can, we can be touchy how people handle us. We can withdraw to keep well away. Or actually some people, according to their personality, maybe even come out fighting. You keep away from me. Very much depends on who we are, but things will affect us. But what I want to say to you is that whatever you have done or whatever has been done to you, Jesus wants to come to you too and say to you, looking you in the eye, saying, please, can I be your friend? See, what we need to realise is that the person that Jesus was when he walked this earth, the things that we read about in the pages of our Bible, he is still that same person with that same heart back in, in heaven. And of course, Jesus uh, on earth as a human being fully and accurately reflected the heart of God for us from eternity and to eternity. So when we look at the Bible, what do we see then about Jesus's heart? What was his heart towards the undeserving, towards the outcasts, towards the compromisers? Let me read out for you a few verses from Luke 15, which you're probably familiar with. It says, now the tax collectors and sinners, i.e. the really bad people of the day, were all gathering around to hear Jesus. Hear that straight away. The worst ones were the ones who wanted to gather near to Jesus. Now, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, the self-righteous ones, muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And if you know your Bible, you'll know that that passage is followed by three beautiful parables illustrating the heart of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. So he these Pharisees say he welcomes sinners. And then there's a similar verse in Matthew 11 and verse 19, where his critics are accusing him. And they say of Jesus, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. So they were meaning it as a slur. They were meaning it as a put down and an accusation. But actually, that was the biggest compliment that perhaps that they could have paid to Jesus. Jesus is a friend of sinners. Now we, we need to realise like the, the weight of this because the Bible's testimony of Jesus, who he is, his character, was that he was the Holy One. He was perfect and sinless in every way. So surely somebody who is as genuinely, thoroughly righteous as Jesus wouldn't want to hang around with people who were morally dubious 
and unclean, would he? Well, maybe he would. That's actually what the Bible said. The best was hanging out with the worst. The holy one wanted to be a friend of the unholy ones. The tax collectors and sinners were all gathering round to hear him because he was a friend of sinners. And if we're, if we're honest with ourselves, with how we feel, how we respond to situations inside sometimes, we can easily feel that God, this holy God who we respect and, and worship, surely he's unapproachable to ordinary mortal people like you and, and me. How do you perceive the heart of God towards you when you're on your own? And actually, you know you've not done very well. You've let yourself down by your own standards, let uh, alone having let God down. Well, God is so pure and holy and surely he can't like me. Surely he can't accept me. Our response in moments like that, moments of failure or moments of pressure or weakness, actually tell us what we really believe. We might be able to quote certain Bible verses, but how do we respond in those moments? That actually is what we really believe. That in practice is what our theology is. And what I want to say to you again is that person that we read about in the Bible, that person that Jesus was when he walked the earth, the friend of sinners, he's the same person for you and me now, though he's back in heaven. He wants to be your friend. He is the friend of sinners. So let's look at how we could and should respond to Jesus and then how he responds to us as we, uh, as we come to him. What's the key to Jesus being your friend? It's not complicated. It's bringing your sins, your hurts and your weaknesses to him with an open hand and an open heart. Not trying to hide them away, not trying to pretend that you're something else. Can we really pretend before God? I think he would see through anything, wouldn't he? Not running away from him as Jonah did in the Bible, as if we could run away from God. No, coming to him with an open hand and an open heart. And here's three Bible verses which just iterate this. Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy and eat. That's Isaiah 55. And then in the New Testament, uh, Jesus in Matthew 11 said, here's that word again, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And then in John's Gospel, chapter 6, Jesus says, all those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Do you get the message? You've just got to come in simple trust and faith in who Jesus is and how he will receive you. So I just for a moment want to speak to anybody who perhaps doesn't yet know Jesus personally. Maybe you've been around in a church environment or you've got Christians in your family, but maybe you've never given your life to Jesus. I want to say to you, just come to him. No pretenses, no excuses, 
just come. You don't need to try and persuade him or impress him, and you can't do that anyway. Just come, like the sinners who gathered around Jesus in Bible times. You need Jesus, and Jesus wants you. He wants you to know him personally. He'll challenge you, but he'll also transform you, and he's promised to never leave you. Jesus truly wants to be your friend. And for those of us who do know Jesus, who would count ourselves as Christians, it's the same thing today and tomorrow and the day after and forever. We can come with confidence, with boldness, knowing Jesus' heart um, for us. Don't believe the lie that you've got to clean yourself up first before you are acceptable to him. That is something that just can infect us so easily. I'm not good enough. I need to do something. No, no, no. It's all the other way around. Remember what it says in Galatians, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, i.e. we've got to come up to a certain standard and oh dear, we can't do it. Christ has redeemed us from that curse by becoming a curse for us. Jesus has done it all. He doesn't go soft on sin. He's already done everything that's necessary to pay the price for sin. That's why you can just come, because he has done it for you. And Christian, also don't believe that Jesus will tire of you. Oh, I'm coming to you again, Lord. I'm coming to you about this same weakness that I did yesterday or last week or whatever. No, remember it says in Romans, if while you were God's enemies, you were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more now that you are reconciled will you be saved by his life? You are in the family. You have been adopted. How could God reject you? Because you're in him. So there's our response to Jesus. We just need to come. And to complete the circle, how does Jesus respond to us as we come to him? It's very clear. It's very certain. In Matthew 11, Jesus says, come to me. There's that word once more. All you who are weary and burdened. Oh, and what's he going to say? How's he going to respond? I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And you, you're probably familiar with this picture of a, of a yoke. There was a, often a team of, of oxen, and they were uh, strapped together with wooden bars and, and ropes and stuff, so they had to move in the same direction. And so what Jesus is saying to, to us, come and take my yoke upon you. Come in the same direction as me, in a good direction, in a life-giving direction. Where I am, you can be by my side. And his burden isn't heavy, he says. It's not, oh dear, I cannot do this, can I fulfill it? No, Jesus says, my burden is light. And why is it light? I think it's primarily because Jesus shares it with us. He's with you, helping you uh, for those things that would otherwise crush you. 
and and also make, let's make sure what we understand where the bible says uh where jesus said my yoke is easy it's easy in the sense of you know we sometimes have a phrase or go easy with that which means be gentle with that be kind with that so jesus is saying my yoke for you my will my direction is kind it is gentle and his yoke is kind and gentle because he and his heart for us is humble and gentle so to finish what's the essence of this the person that jesus was when he walked this earth he still is now back in heaven his heart still beats for you he wants to be your friend for he is the friend of sinners i encourage you today come to him come to your friend jesus amen thank you for listening for more information downloads and podcasts please visit ccblackpool